Hello and welcome to Rick Radio Community News, that's episode 26. I'm Mick Canley. Well, later in the podcast, we will hear from Tora Kelly, who talks with Paul Clayton, a Shamrock Rovers fan and Pat Bourne, a Shelburne supporter, about the formation of boat clubs in the Ringside area many years ago. But first, our new presenter, Mary O'Neill, caught up with Margaret Dunn, chairperson of the Ringside Irish Town Tidy Towns Committee. Hi everyone, my name is Mary O'Neill and I'm here today with Margaret Dunn, chairperson of Ringsend and Irishtown Tidy Towns and Environment, a group of which I am a member and proud to be. And today we're just going to ask a few questions about projects we've completed, how we how we got on during COVID, um, talking about the group that we have and how wonderful they are and how uh, diligent they are um, and where to contact us if you need to or want to get involved. Margaret, how did it all start? Well, um, in around July 2018, I put a post up onto Rings and Home and Abroad, and it was basically just about the roundabout there at Deeks because it was a show, it was dishevelled, and we have people coming in here to the port uh, on lovely uh, cruise ships, and people are travelling over the port um, via car uh, through the um, the. The lead into the town. Yeah, and it's it was actually a show. So a friend of mine that lives local here, she said, "Why are you putting the poster up about the roundabout? Say the about the door to Ring's End." So I just happened to put that up, not thinking, and loads of people jumped on board then, and they all had lovely comments to make and da 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 da. So with that, oh, and nothing. There was a meeting held in the Merry Cobbler, and loads of people attended and they were all eager to jump on board and start a Tidy Towns group and I had just put the post up I only wanted the DCC to refurbish the monument or do something nice with it like every other monument all around Ireland swords rush everywhere is fabulous blah 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 and the next thing is I was asked to be chairperson and that was 2018 right? 2018 so between 2018 now of course we had Covid so during Covid how did the group carry on? Um, well, we did our clean-ups um, individually and we did social distance and uh, we didn't, it didn't deter us, it didn't stop us. We kept the place flowered because we felt people in the COVID were locked in. So we decided to flower the place up more and for people's mental health, it's nice to have a nice clean village and for everything to look well. So we actually empowered ourselves to do a little bit more. And like you must remember, the members were all stuck in as well. Yeah. So it was a way for us to get out and isolate distance of course and wear our masks and our gloves and and do the right thing comply by the rules yeah and that's what happened so during that time i know we did a lot of greening and cleaning and we we started a lot of projects and we couldn't go forward with them but how many projects or can you offhand think of the projects that we completed well we did a beautiful job um on the ashmore uh What's Dr. Ashford's Dr. monument in Irish Town, and we did a fabulous job there, and that was really lovely. And then we did the Seaman's monument last year, and we did the Waxy Stargle, and uh, we did we, we've refurbished them completely. We even got the granite stone blasted back, and everything reinstated all the naming and all that. We had a lovely we had a lovely get together. We with opened the, port. the two of them with the with the Seaman's. We had a little soiree as well for that, where we invited the port and the Aviva members to come down and and to thank see, them for their funding yeah, but to see what we, what we, we had done and then also we did um, in Bremen Avenue there was, there's a grotto down there and it was it was falling apart so we got the 
funding for that and we refurbished that completely. And Mary, you did all the sourcing of that because you yeah. got the builder, yeah. you got the funding. Everything. Yeah, that's what we did. And it looks really good. Yeah, and our project this year is um, 2022. We have done Ben's Lane up and... Uh, uh, everybody is welcome and we'll just have a little opening with the Lord Mayor and the Aviva people and the people from the incinerator we've invited down and um, it's just to showcase what we've done in the project this year and to say thank you yeah and we've had wonderful people like Margaret Biggs she did all the mural and a lovely man Dave Gosling and John Bourne also we got we got all the volunteers were yeah they were just amazing yeah. they gave their time all the trees from church to church we got them surrounded with beautiful wood and stones and John Bourne and people helped us to do that and it's fabulous the places so we're always uh, have a new project and we're always positive and we've absolutely amazing volunteers that really really love the village and they're they're so proud of where they came from and they just love they love getting out to do it and I must say it's a lovely way to socialise with people and to meet new friends and anyone that's come on actually loves the social side of it as well yeah because you're having a bit of chat and banter as you're cleaning and that's what happens and i know that we've always been part of the the neighborhood awards and we have won over a number of years we have our awards to prove and our certs to prove all that but this year we entered the super value yeah tell us how that happened with the help of a girl called Sinead from DCC on our own back she contacted us and she helped us to enter the the super value the bigger one so let's hope we do well in that yeah well hopefully we do she was saying there's no reason why we won't get something off them because last year she helped Ballymun so we're looking forward to you know getting bigger getting bigger bigger. could would you just say a thank you to our core group of members who are always there oh they're always there um, we'll start off with yourself Miss Tidy Towns ourself <laughs> Mary O'Neill it's my therapy now being in the place and um, we have uh, Karen Saunders and she's on uh, the committee as well and we have Sandra Dunn and we have Margaret Gray and we have Marion Rose and Carol Dunn the three sisters and and I mean it's just, it is a small group and it is a core group a but lovely, between us all we get lots done what's Shauna is it Shauna Sheena, the lovely, we had, that's a new lady that moved into Irish Town and Yvonne Rossiter, Rossiter both yeah. new members, new new guys who moved into the town and have, have got on board and it did help them with their socialising and their and their mental health during COVID. Yeah. Um, can I just ask you now, wrapping it up here, where, if you want to help us, who should you contact and what should they do? Well, we're on Facebook, um, Rings and Irish Town, Tidy Towns, and we're always looking for newcomers and we're always looking for new volunteers and we're always looking for funding as well. You know, if anybody wants to give a bit of funding, Any businesses out any there businesses, listening? Yeah, yeah, that want to give us a few, Bob. Um, we, we do get a lot of support from um, the council as well, but uh, we're always looking for uh, a bit of funding. So next year we'll have another project, I'm sure, on the go. So if anybody has any ideas out there that might want to, you know, suggest somewhere that needs a little greening and cleaning yeah. to give us the bilio. And you've only to look around town to see the beautiful planters everywhere. The tree bicycles are all flowered up. Deeks donated the boat in the, yeah. in the beginning. And we even had down here outside the tech in Rings End. And as we know, Margaret, putting it together is one thing, but yeah. maintaining it is yeah. the real issue. Yeah, and actually people getting out and, you know, slogging it for us you know which they're Trojans all the volunteers well listen thanks for talking to me today and I'm sure we'll have you down here again no problem thank you Mary 
Looking for a meaningful career? Perhaps you have a natural love for helping others. Perhaps you looked after a friend or family member. A career in home care can be very fulfilling. Home Instead have full and part-time positions. Training and support will be provided. Search Home Instead Careers or visit careers.homeinstead.ie. Home Instead, to us it's personal. You're listening to the Community News Desk on Rick Radio. And Home Instead will be here in the centre tomorrow afternoon between 2.30 and 4.30pm for anyone interested in those positions. Well, it was a great week for Shamrock Rovers fans last week with qualification to the group stages of the Europa League. Not long ago, our history presenter, Tora Kelly, caught up with Paul Clayton, a lifelong Rovers fan, and Pat Bourne, a lifelong Shelbourne supporter, to discuss the formation of both clubs in the Ringsend area many moons ago. But first, Torek asked Paul Clayton about his family history with Shamrock Rovers. Yeah, well, my father was a, a mad Shamrock Rovers supporter. No, I was born into Rovers, mm-hmm. supported Rovers all my life since 1950. And I got, grew, got a bit older, then I could go to the matches and all that myself. Like, mm-hmm. That's my take on the, the Rovers right now. And, and yourself, Paul Byrne? Um, well, I I suppose um, from the time I was born born into a Shelburne family, I suppose you could say I actually dribbled for Shelburne <laughs> um, as a baby. But um, my dad used to bring me to all the underage games uh, down in Orangetown Stadium and um, following the demise uh, of Shelburne Park, if you like, and when they moved off to Tolkien. But they were trying to actually build a new stadium in Orangetown and that's where mm-hmm. I sort of fell in love with the Reds. I used to just love the Red jersey when I used to go down and uh, early on Sunday morning looking at the underage both the youth and the B matches and then from that then I obviously went to start going to League of Ireland but obviously through the family uh, they're all you know uh, everyone in the family is actually Shells fan and You've got my dad's uncles played, uh, the Owens has played in 1906, um, the IFA Cup and Cup team. Um, my dad played for the B team as well, won a few medals, but sadly he got a bad knee injury when he was sort of late teens, so he never uh, played for the first team, which to his regret. And then uh, my cousins Pat and uh, Terry Bourne played with Shelburne as well, and obviously Pat played with Rovers back in the 80s as mm-hmm. well. Uh, played in Scotland, obviously played, got eight international captain yep. with Jack Charlton. Uh, and my cousin Liam was having involved in the supporters club yeah, team. So you could actually say I'm just, I had no choice in the matter really. <laughs> yeah, well that's some family heritage and obviously yeah. Pat probably won the one of the most talented players ever to play in the League of Ireland. Yeah, yeah he was, he was superb. Um, now we know Shelburne only got him at the latter end. He signed for Bowes in 1974 mm. um, with Jerry Ryan and Kevin Moran who played with the great Rangers team from Morganstown. Mm. Um, they were a star-studded team. Obviously, those three players went on to play for Ireland as well. But uh, they were also sensational Gaelic players. And uh, much to my horror that my school team played against uh, uh, Drimna Castle. And we never even saw the ball, I think, for the whole game. Mm-hmm. It was, we got a terrible hiding from them, you know. He always laughs about that when I mentioned <laughs> as well. You know. Well, Paul... Uh, Paul Clayton, we, we, I suppose um, 
a lot of people would be aware that Rovers have kind of lived up to their name in, in recent decades. They've been all over Dublin. They've been Talca Park, Dalyman Park, and obviously so uh, embedded in Tala now. But so, do you think people are, are aware even these days that that Rovers are, are you know were founded in this area? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. uh, we we kind of um, let everyone know where we're from. Like mm-hmm. that's like even the signs we have of the cup finals. Legends were born in Rings End. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh uh, yeah, that's definitely. They you know what like. Um, we also played a home game down in Cork. I remember it. Yeah, about two thousand and four, wasn't it? Yeah, I saw programmed <laughs> on that game. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, is there still kind of a strong Rovers support base here in, in Ringsend? We have the Pride of Ringsend Supporters Club, mm-hmm. run by Justin Mason and Eddie Saul. Now they're after moving out of the area, but they're still running the supporters club. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, like, there's a lot of support around, not all of them are in the supporters club, but there's, there's a lot of support in Ringsend still, like, you know, by both sides. And that, that's pretty remarkable, isn't it? Given, yeah. given that they've been out of the area for, for so long, is that family connections or? <laughs> in some cases, yeah, there would mm-hmm. be family connections, but others just like, and the, the football that has improved in the League of Ireland over the last 20 years is unbelievable. They're great games now. They're not, they're not played on muddy pitches anymore, you know? So. Mm-hmm. Football is great now in the League of Ireland. Yeah, and uh, Paul Byrne, you you uh, you might just tell us a little bit about Shelburne's initial kind of uh, origins in in this area. Yeah, well, um, they played all around Ringsend uh, in different places. In actual fact, they played at the back of the Havelock Square end. Yeah, you, you know the old Lansdowne Road end, if you like. Um, they also played over in where Crow Park is now. Believe it or not, they, that used to be a community ground as well. So they actually played. Uh, they played both there in the early uh, Leinster Cup final there as well um, also uh, then we moved into Shelburne Park in 1913 they actually gave the name to the uh, Shelburne Park uh, the football club did mm. uh, and of course South Lots Road is only down the road from Shelburne Road which is the origins of the club itself and then you had um, the move as you say there were attempts then to buy it but uh, Lord Pembroke who was selling the ground at the time was uh, looking for what was perceived to be too much money and they decided then to buy the plot of land, the Irish Town Stadium as it is now. Mm-hmm. And uh, subsequently became the um, owned by Dublin City Council or the old corporation as it was in those days. But they spent a couple of years there and they put spent a fortune putting a cinder track around. And then there was a lot of complaints then about the, the weather, you know, coming in from the sea and so on and so forth. They should have really built a stand rather than a cinder track. This was all uh, prompted by Martin, apparently, who was heavily involved in athletics and then subsequently named the Martin Stadium. Mm-hmm. And then uh, from that, then they moved over to Tolkien and they were there as tenants to Drum Condor Football Club for a long time. And then they moved back over to Harlow's Cross and then there was the moves back and forward and there was a number of games, even at Milltown as well, the old mm-hmm. Milltown. Um, a sad loss to League of Ireland too Glenn Malheur Paul can elaborate that was in mm-hmm. oh, probably too traumatised to yeah, talk about yeah. Milton. you're probably too yeah. traumatised to talk about yeah. Milton. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the worst thing that happens yeah. in the history of Rovers losing yeah. Milton. Mm-hmm. absolutely fabulous place to go to a game even the away supporters love going to it and the away team more than anything else because mm-hmm. you could play football yeah. on that pitch like you know yeah. But like once the Kilkines come in, we knew like the writing was on the wall that they were never there for the the long haul. Like, mm-hmm. They seen some. They seen the bigger picture. 
Uh, and not to rub it in, but another of the of the grounds that Paul mentioned there, the Morton Stadium, was yet another ground that, that, that Rob was playing. Oh, uh, that's actually we call that the San Siro Stadium. That's <laughs> 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 the nickname we put on that, the San Siro. <laughs> has the support? No, is it still largely a, a South Side club? Would you say Rovers, given that they they did play on the North Side for such a, a period of time? No, there's massive support on the North mm-hmm. Side for Rovers. We have a couple of supporters clubs from the North Side. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, loads from the north side. Like, yeah, a lot of the players are from that side of the city as well, yeah. like through the years. Like, I mean, Rovers' greatest player was born in, uh, in the inner city, Frank O'Neill, mm-hmm. you know, Paddy Ambrose, you know, mm-hmm. don't mix it down. Who would have been the, the better players uh, who played for Rovers from this area of, of, of Dublin? First of all, Jody Bourne, the goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have Sean Gannon now, Sean Cavanagh, Liam O'Brien, and done the playing international football, played for Man United. Liam was from Ringsend, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 And then like, you have to go way back to Bob Fulham. In the, mm-hmm. A legendary figure, yeah. Yeah, Irish yeah Bob was a legendary figure. Like, and I think it was one time, I think it was 62, uh, now I stand to be corrected on this, Rovers players that were internationals. Mm-hmm. From this whole area. Now, it could be a mix of shells as well, because I know Fran Brennan, yeah. Al, uh, Albert Hannon, though, he didn't make international. No, he was a league, he actually yeah. made a league mm-hmm. team, all right, plus underage. Yeah. Yeah, very good player, too. And Paul, were there, are, there, are there players from this area that made a, a particular mark with, with Shelburne as well? Yeah, well, going back even to Val Harris days, going back to, mm-hmm. you know, oh, back to the 19, you know, early 1910s, you know, around 11, 12, mm-hmm. and he was capped, obviously, by the Irish team, the IFA, under mm-hmm. the IFA. He played, he was probably one of the oldest players that actually play for the Irish international team. The great Bill, Bill Lacey as well, and actually mm-hmm. played with uh, Liverpool. And uh, then you have, uh, as I said, there's a lot of other players like like what Paul mentioned as well. Some quite a few of them, like Jody Bourne, played with Shells as well. Uh, because in those days, an awful lot of players were actually moving around, particularly in the current crop, say, the last, say, 30 years, and even in more recent times, a lot of the players probably have six, seven clubs under mm-hmm. um, their portfolio of clubs in the League of Ireland terms, and uh, which is sad to see, because obviously from a fan's point of view, you love to see players that have an affinity with the club yeah. and enjoy playing with the club, and you don't predict the good players as well, aren't the great players, you mm-hmm. can see them going off elsewhere, and I'm sure Paul would agree with that as well, yeah. you just simply don't like it. Like for example, Stephen Gagan was one of our greats, but he also he won a league championship yeah, in 94, for and then he, yeah. when he moved over to Tolka, I mean, there was an awful lot of ill feeling between both clubs, oh, yeah. you know, we, Alan, we were delighted to get And Alan Bourne. Yeah. So that you know, yeah, when you have this transfer of players yeah. between clubs as well, um, and, you know, it's it's disappointing from a fan's yeah. perspective. That's all, you know, I, I guess the consequence of the of the short term contracts you tend to get in in League of Ireland as well. Yeah. Um, professionalism as such, or certainly full time professionalism, has only really come in in the pretty recent past in the League of Ireland. Back in those days when Shells were playing out here, uh, like would those lads have been doing a day's work on on the docks or? stuff like that before they played well they would have been back in yeah like Shell's tour were the first team in the south to turn professional and actually I believe in the whole island to turn professional back in 1906 
but uh, a lot of them would have been only part-time. Uh, they would have been still training at the evening times, working during the course of the day, but they would have been getting paid. And then, of course, there's a great story about Brian Lennon, the uh, former minister, uh, in when Charlie Hoyt was Taoiseach. Uh, Brian also played with us back in the 50s, and mm. uh, Brian was an amateur at the time, and when he came out of the shower, apparently he found five pounds in a boot <laughs> and he picked her up out of the boot and actually was asking the lads in the dressing rooms, you know, does someone lose a fiver, you know? And everyone turned away from him. And then the following week, the same thing happened again. Of course, subsequently, that, as he said himself, helped to put him through college. <laughs> but he was supposed to be an amateur, you know? And, uh, yeah. I believe the same thing used to happen at bowls as well, back when they were supposedly an amateur club <laughs> up until the 60s. It, it, it happened at all clubs. <laughs> Even It's happening more so now with junior football. Yes, yeah. <laughs> But it's definitely, oh, that was it, regularly, you know, you come in, as I say in the show, you come out with 10, 20 quid, you yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when you think about it, five pounds back in the 50s yeah. was a yeah. lot of money for a young lad. Mm. A lot of money, the, you know. There was a great story years ago about <laughs> John Heavey, yeah, goalkeeper, yes, yeah. local lad, mm-hmm. Bobby Gilbert, another local lad. The two of them went up to St. Patrick's Athletic. Got a signing on fee of t- Tampa Beach. <laughs> and he, if you've been the madman, he is. Brock Gilbert down to the slot machines and he lost at Tampa Beach. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just to, to go back to the, the question I asked, I asked Paul. Like shells have been kind of rooted in in Jumkonja now for for quite a period of time. Mm-hmm. Is, is there still kind of a strong support base in this area or on the south side uh, generally? There would be. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of guys from the south. You know, even, mm-hmm. even where I am, you know, I live in Rialto, and there'd be a lot of guys in around that area. Even though Pat's like to think it's their domain, but uh, in actual fact, there's quite a few of them all along Clare Road, um, up to Crumlin Road, and so on. You see, because they're relatively new estates when you think about it you know going mm. back they're only built around the 40s 50s so when families moved out of the area they were moving out of the likes of Rings End and Irish Town and Sunnymount and you're moving forward to the field but it's sort of been handed down from generations like for example a few lads now I give a lift to um around to the away games in particular um, their mother was actually steeped in Shelburne her family were all steeped in Shelburne but they moved up to Kimmage then so mm-hmm. you know but they still they would obviously still go around the Shells fans and uh, so and they enjoy it but they'd, they'd head over to Tolka obviously mm-hmm. um, and there'd be a lot of other pl- people like that as well as I say around the area you know but it, there's no doubt in the last say 30 years because of the success going back to when we moved over there in 89, 90 and the success then in the 90s and so on for, uh, um, when we took over Tolka, it was um, the the build up of fans around the place. Like Donald now would have a huge amount mm-hmm. uh, of fans there as well, you know. So there's no doubt about it. We made our uh, a huge imprint on the north side, particularly on, on the east side of the north side. Um, and then uh, there's quite a lot of fans from Finglas and even Cabra, even though yeah. that would be again Bowes area. Mm-hmm. But I, I think, like like Shells, Bowes and, and Rovers, um, I think it's nearly the whole city where you'd have fans, you know. They're, they're, yeah. they're, they, they left, like as Paul alluded to earlier on, you'd have a lot of fans from a lot of different areas that would actually follow the respective teams. And a lot of that could be down to families just moving into respective areas. Mm-hmm. But the hand down is still there, you know. Yeah. Like I had no choice really. You know? <laughs> <laughs> It's like, uh, I'm second generation Rovers. My son's a third. Mm-hmm. I have a grandson now. 
he's a fourth generation and he's a body farmer. Yeah. You know, yeah. So yeah. Like it is a generational thing and family thing, you know. Yeah. And as Paul said, there's, there's been so much kind of churn, I suppose, in terms of families moving around over the past 50 years yeah. uh, with the building of new estates and everything like that. Well, that's slick of Ireland. It gets into your system and stay forever. No matter where you go, yeah, you could go to the mill tomorrow, and you still want to know the results, wouldn't you? Yeah, <laughs> um, you were you were never kind of discouraged during those very very bleak years when when Rovers didn't have a home and didn't no. have much success. Not one little bit. Mm-hmm. It was very hard, mm-hmm. but not no never. We were never beaten. We were never beaten. Mm-hmm. We weren't going to be beaten. And the supporters at the top was unbelievable, saving that club. You know. Yeah. And we weren't just, never just, hurt, very hurt. Well, we were never beaten and we were never going to be disheartened. Yeah. yeah, and and they turned things around uh, very impressively. And flourishing in Tala now. Oh, Tala's mm-hmm. fantastic place, Tala. They go so much. The fabulous stadium, fabulous mm-hmm. atmosphere. Everything about it is running right. The stewarding, the police, and all is fantastic mm-hmm. up there, yeah. like, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just asked Paul Burns well. Um, shells have been as, are as have been in Tolka Park probably now as long as they were they were anywhere else almost. Uh, yes, that's right. Do you have like a, a sentimental attachment to Tolka Park now? Would you like to see I them do, stay yeah. in the stadium? Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, mm. they. I mean, the lads behind it saved Tolka Park. Uh, was an incredible just it was an incredible movement and had loads of momentum uh, and from many different sources as well both not only from the fan base but within the local community as well because they obviously didn't want to see seven or eight nine storey uh, buildings going up right in an area where you only had two storey houses effectively and uh, which would have been a crazy development and Mm -hmm. plus all the other chaos that would have brought in terms of uh, infrastructural issues as well particularly with parking particularly with um, a lot of um, moving in and out of work and so on and so forth, you know, with extra vehicles on the road. and st- So there was an awful lot of buy-in from the community, particularly with the plans that were actually a number of people put in place regarding the, you know, the developments, the long term and what we could actually do to to um, bring Tolka Park up to um, a certain level. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that has been achieved. And the decision by Dublin City Council there in recent months, there in, in early May, and actually it was the day before my birthday, so early mm-hmm. May, so it was actually a fantastic birthday present. It's probably the best one I've had for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I better not say that to the family. I've gone on listening. Um, You'll end up with a green and more star on your next birthday. <laughs> I can end up <laughs> running out of the house. But um, yeah, it was just it was a fantastic. That weekend was marvellous. And then we had a great win as well on the Friday night. And then on the Saturday, the women's team won as well. So it was a wonderful weekend for the club all round. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we're just looking forward to now to the next phase, which is really to link in with Dublin City Council and see where what else we can actually do. And I just heard... Um, there the other day with regard to, to an engineer's report that you know phase one could be up to five and a half thousand now very quickly um because you're only replacing what's currently yeah, required yeah. there so there's no planning permission required and then phase two then would be get up to uh, nine and a half thousand which would be yeah, fantastic be a very impressive Mar- facility yeah. if it happens yeah, yeah it would yeah. be you know uh, just to pull it back slightly from from rovers and shells when, when you guys were growing up here what was there a, a big sporting culture in the, in the area at the time across all sports oh yeah well like you had both the monitors down here you had um 
I used to manage a schoolboy team there, Dylan played for me there as well. Um, but um, yeah, it was a, uh, you had the GAA club, Clannagale Fondra, you know. Mm-hmm. I think there was a, not a, a running club, Harriers or something. Mm-hmm. And there was loads of sport. Yeah. Like when we grew up as kids, anyway, that's all it was was sport, it was never that else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was out kicking yeah. the ball every yeah. morning, yeah. and night. You and know. of course, you had Half Moon there as well. Swimming club, the swimming down, down. Yeah. and then of course you have the uh, the great rowing clubs in the area the too. Rooms, yeah, the Stella you know, and the Pats, uh, yeah, yeah. And do you think that's that's changed over recent decades? Um, there's still oh, I know, like for example, Jerry Braddock now be a great Shells fan, but he's still heavily involved in the rowing. Mm-hmm. Um, next fact, I believe he still goes out rowing. Um, Jerry's yeah, he's amazingly fit guy. Like Jerry's probably mid seventies now, but oh, he's, he's still he's older. Mm-hmm. is he older again? He's but, uh, older. Yeah, sorry, days. Jerry. We're just. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I, look, I, look, he looks superbly fit. He still, he still looks great, and he goes out rowing regularly, as far as I know. Still, you know. Mm-hmm. So a great, yeah, yeah, sporting heritage to draw on. Yeah. Um, like obviously, there's some there's some fantastic junior and intermediate clubs in, in the area as well. Um, do you think Ringsend Irish Town could potentially sustain a, a League of Ireland club again? No, no, I don't see it. Yeah, it's it's actually hard to see where they're going to play, mm-hmm. and I think you do need to have a base, you know, a, a permanent base. But like with Shelburne Park now being built on quite a bit as well, uh, there's not even enough room there yeah, now to but even put a you know a pitch within the running track itself, uh, and it's very hard to see where it would go. Like even Irish Town Stadium now is that area, you know, yeah. the stadium itself is uh, being restricted as well with this size. Yeah, it's not right. The house is built all around it. Well, uh, no. see, I find now. But a lot of the junior football years ago, there was too much rivalry mm. to get together and form a team. It's not going to be a Rings End United. Something like that would have been. Because like, yeah. if you weren't getting your game at the CWA, you go down to, what you call them, Hoganville. Or Cambridge, or you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then, like, that's the yeah. way they all moved yeah. around, like then, you know. And that's yeah. understandable. Clubs yeah. develop so their own identities. An established yeah. team in Ringsend. Yeah. If, you, if you go yeah. over to Germany, um, every small town in Germany has maybe one big area that would actually house a lot of different sports, and mm-hmm. all the community, each community buys into that with a number of different sports. So it's easier to actually maintain and so on. So although we have their um, independence, but it's actually within an overall sports uh, federation, if you like, and uh, that lends itself to actually getting a lot of things done quicker than it would be if you just had independent clubs doing their own thing, doing their own fundraising, trying to maintain their own pitches and so on and so forth. So it, 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 unfortunately, we have a model in, in Ireland now where you have the GAA uh, would be very independent of other sports. You, likewise with the um, rugby, the same with the football. Um, and it's very hard to see that all come together. Now, to a certain extent, you have Viva as actually, uh, and in the old days, Lansdowne, the old Lansdowne was actually where you brought the international teams to actually use the Aviva and the old Lansdowne road. Yeah. But um, to all intents and purposes, it's still very much a self-interest, mm-hmm. I think, with regard to the sports. Yeah. Why do you think that this this area did uh, was the breeding ground for, for two massive clubs like Shells and Rovers back at the turn of the century? Really? Yeah, it's, it's like a lot of rivalry. One sort of, the rivalry actually helps you know to develop another club I think if you look at say even just look take looking at um, say the likes in Glasgow uh, the rivalry with Celtic and Rangers has actually helped each other 
mm. you know, grow as uh, huge clubs, absolutely massive clubs. And I think the rivalry within Ringsend, Irish Town, Sandymount for yeah. Shells, uh, Rovers would actually help that as well. They actually helped each other to grow um, and make the clubs bigger as well, you know. I know yeah. back in the day, my father, when he was a Rovers supporter, and all, he used to say, the build up to the matches, Rovers and Shells, Shells Rovers, started on Friday night in the pubs. Mm-hmm. I said there was great fish every day, you know, and yeah. there'd be another. <laughs> yeah. Now and again, someone like, was, that's where it was. And again, why did why did got so good? There was nothing else really. Like, yeah, you, like, that, you were you were rolling in the summer. Right? You couldn't roll in the winter, so you were footballing yeah. in the winter. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah, so, that's true. Very very so, true. You know, so yeah. But as, as well, you say, and the facilities weren't there for a lot of other things that we have, like tenpin bowling and badminton and squash. They were unheard of in those yeah. days as well. Yeah. Maybe in Sandy Mount. Yeah. Sandy Mount. Yeah. 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 You know? mm-hmm. So, so I, I know there's been kind of a, an attempt recently to sort of rekindle Shell's Rovers as as a big kind of rings and derby game. Uh, who would you like? Is Bowes Rovers still the the overwhelming rivalry to you, or would you say you still get up for the Shell's games as much? You're asking me personally, Shamrock Rovers versus Shelburne is the game for me. Mm-hmm. This Rob Bowes thing only come in yeah. the, the latter years and it's not nice what's coming yeah. through yeah. on both sides yeah. mm-hmm. not nice but now Rovers and Shells for me any day that's the most important game of the season for me How about yourself? Huh? I, I would agree with that um, I, I, I've spoken to a lot of older fans about this and uh, they, they would, exactly what Paul is saying they'd echo with what Paul is saying in relation to the Rovers Bowes it's only been it's sort of the last 20-25 years prior to that it was always Shells and Rovers was the big derby in the in the League of Ireland and I think with with the emergence of Shelburne at the moment I mean things are flying in the club both on the academy side the women's side and I think with the senior team as well and the men's side with uh, Duff uh, in charge I think Shells are going to be a coming force now I really do believe that in the next two or three years I was saying to Paul earlier on I, I'm very confident that we're going to actually have a, a nice run into the end of the season we've got some fine young players coming through mm-hmm. and they're playing well and I think they're growing in confidence as well that they can actually do it at the level and, and this young lad uh, yeah, Jad Hakiki is going to be something else uh, and I'm delighted to hear there just in the last few weeks that we've actually signed a number of these young lads on two and three year contracts which is brilliant it's great news yeah, it's, great, yeah, it's news. a great departure you know? we lose so many players to, oh, to, to foreign yeah, clubs yeah, as well yeah. Yeah. and so cheaply too Mm-hmm. You know, but as Paul was saying, there like that there is probably there's an edge to to Bowes Rovers. There seems like there's a more respectful rivalry between between Shells and Rovers. Like you you, you wouldn't you wouldn't be throwing dart bo- or throwing darts at, <laughs> at the Shell uh, at the Rovers uh, crest at all. I, I think a lot of that is down to as well. Like I, I like Paul didn't recognise me, but I recognised Paul mm-hmm. when he came in. Uh, I've known Paul going back about yeah. twenty twenty five years, yeah. and. Uh, like that as well a lot of Shells Rovers fans you know being from the area and they know mm-hmm. one another and then of course you're mixing the job and everything else so it's although the rivalry is there there's a lot of respect there as yeah. well mm-hmm. amongst sets of fans and really um, just any incidents have been uh, so, and far between thankfully sometimes I go to Tiger Park of Rovers say I couldn't get to a Rovers game or you're away or something I go to Tiger Park yeah the amount of 
people I know up in Talca and the nicest people in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great respect of ever shared once about just I treated like the Lord yeah. Mayor. Yeah. Like when we were having difficulties back in the seventies as well, and this once we remembered, like we played out of Milltown. Yeah. And uh, which which was great because otherwise we probably would have folded. We were having terrible problems late seventies, and likewise when Rovers were struggling, they went up. You know, when coming out of Milltown, they were playing over at um, Talca as well. And Ollie Bourne went to a great extent to actually facilitate Rovers as much as possible in mm-hmm. so many ways. You know, and I'm sure Paul had backed that up. You know, because Ollie recognised that we all need one another. You know, yeah. the rivalry's there, but we need one another. You know, if there's no rivalry there, you know, it's you don't. I try you don't certainly attract the big crowds. Yeah, very, very, very complicated figure, Ollie. He wasn't, he wasn't what he was painted by a lot of fans. Really, he, no. there was another side to him. I, I oh, always, yeah. no, it, he was an amazing guy, yeah. and we all had run-ins with him, and I had run-ins <laughs> yeah, with had him. Yeah. You know, <laughs> his love Ollie, for the league and Ollie. was amazing. Was married to Shelbourne Club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was no two ways about it. Shelbourne yeah. Club was everything, yeah. and yeah. everything after that was second. Yeah. But as Paul said, he needed drivers for the rivalry. You know, mm-hmm. like I mean, he needed chance for the rivalry. We all need one another yeah. at the yeah. end of the day. But Ollie's t- totally made the Shelbourne he was. Yeah, absolutely, and I think a lot of fans probably uh, could empathise with that. Uh, yeah. We're, we're going to wrap up now in a in moment, but I'm just going to ask you both. <laughs> Like if someone came along and said, "I'm going to wipe all your memories, but you can keep one memory of Rovers, of a Rovers game," what would you keep? Oh jeez, you have to put me on the spot here now. A particular game? No, oh, jeez, I just oh, so many. Did you yeah, know? yeah. Not the six-four in Sanchi, obviously. Did he mention that? Jeez, Pat Dane said that. Yeah. Just when he ruined our night. Yeah, ruined our night, Paul. Yeah. Roddy, Roddy was great. And Sparky <laughs> yeah. was playing that night as well at yeah. Scroward. Yeah. Uh, well, I would imagine the Celtic game in the European Cup. And that was a great occasion. Mm-hmm. And then there was another very weird one when we played Linfield. Ah, yeah, yeah. Now that was... Yeah. It was supposed to be no away supporters at that game. Mm-hmm. But you were letting in. It was easier for the police to let them in than have them out of the streets. Yeah, that was that was scary. That'll be someone to live live over. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how about yourself, Paul? Would it be the Champions yeah, League I, run? Yeah, like Paul, I've wonderful memories of so many different occasions. But I think I think winning the league up in Dundalk in '92. Um, I, it was the first time in 30 years. It was amazing, and Brian Flood's goal that time. It's probably still sailing over the mountains of Moor now. There had been no net. It was a rocket from about 35 yards. Yeah, that was a sensational night. And actually, fact, it was a sensational week. Two weeks, maybe three weeks. That, that was just brilliant. Yeah, that was that was brilliant. And of course, the following year when we won the cup again for the first time in 30 years. You know, it was just again magical time. And of course, my cousin Pat was actually player manager and manager. At the, you know, which was wonderful. So mm-hmm. it was a great family connection as a result of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that would be that would make things particularly special, I imagine. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. And yeah, is do you still see Pat at games at all? Is he still? Oh yeah, got, yeah, I was in touch with him there a couple of weeks ago. We we're supposed mm-hmm. to link in at uh, the Tala match there and. Unfortunately, between between one thing and another, I couldn't uh, couldn't link up. But we spoke about it over the weekend. You know, yeah. <laughs> 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 We're just having some fun here in the studios <laughs> as we wrap up. Um, <laughs> yeah. That was our history podcast. Timeways presenter Troy Kelly talking with Paul Clayton and Paul Bourne about the formation of Shamrock Rovers 
and Shelburne respectively in the Ringsend area. Just to let you know, the next episode of Time Waves, a radio history of Dublin 4 will be on tomorrow, Tuesday at 12 noon. And Turlock will be discussing pirate radio and community radio in the Ringsend Irish town area. So tune in to this fascinating discussion. Well, that's all from the Community News Desk for this week. My thanks to Dylan on sound and editing and to all our guests today. If you'd like to contact us, our email address is rickradio2020 at gmail.com. That's R-I-C-C radio 2020 at gmail.com. From myself, Mick Hanley, have a great week and take care. Music.